Um, we're going to be, we're going to pump you up a little bit. We're going to talk about faith for just a few minutes. Does anybody have time for that? Amen. Okay, good. <laughs> well, the title of tonight's message is this, is Be Confident. I want us to be a confident group of people. Have you ever known somebody that they're not arrogant, they're just confident about, you know, what they can do and, and about about God in their lives. It, it's not about being arrogant or, or stuck up, but just somebody that's confident. When they walk into a room, they're not intimidated by the people in the room. They're not intimidated about the situations that come towards them. They're just a confident person. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a few minutes tonight, is how to be confident because faith is confident. Amen? Faith is confident, and, and when we're people of faith, when we're people that know that God is on our side, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be, you know, uh, cowardly. We don't have to be, you know, any of these things. We can be confident and know that God always comes through. He doesn't quit on us if we don't quit on Him. Amen? And so I want to open up in prayer tonight, and we're going to get right into the message. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for a wonderful church that we've been blessed with, Lord. There's so much love at this place. We're just one big happy family, and we thank you for that, God. But I pray tonight that as we open our hearts and, and our, our minds to your word, Lord, as we open our Bibles, that you'll speak to our hearts, God. Maybe you'll remind us of things that we've forgotten or show us things we've never even seen before, Lord. But I pray that most of all, you'll get glory tonight, and each person is going to leave here changed and better off than when they came in here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So point number one tonight is this. It's kind of a long point, but it's this. is when you're living in faith, you are confident that God will keep his word to you. When you're living in faith, you're confident that God will keep his word to you. Amen. We know there's all these promises in the Bible, but sometimes, you know, we seem like we're not so sure if it's going to actually happen. Let me show you Hebrews 11.1. 1. Hebrews 11.1. 1, great verse. And, of course, I love this in the King James. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But we're going to read this. I really like it in the New Living Translation also. Hebrews 11.1. Powerful verse. And I I just think this breaks it down really, really well. Some people call this the definition of faith. Hebrews 11.1 is the definition of faith. But look at Hebrews 11.1. It says this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I love that. Faith is the confidence that what we're hoping for is actually going to happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Assurance, another thing you can say there is confidence. It gives us confidence. It gives us assurance that it's actually going to happen. Have you ever prayed for something? And, you know, maybe you're young in the faith or, you know, you're you're just testing it out a little bit. And you pray for something and it actually happens. And you're like, whoa. That actually happened. That actually worked. And you're almost surprised. Well, you know, that's fine at first. But after a while, God starts answering your prayers. And you're not surprised anymore. You expect it to happen. And so, you know, but at first it's kind of cool when maybe the first time you've released your faith for something or you decided to really just trust God in a situation and God answers the prayer and you're like, whoa. That actually happened. It actually works. And after a while, you get this Hebrews 11, 1 faith where it says we get this assurance that we know it's going to happen. It's going to work. You know, that you, you say to yourself, well, the Bible says bring your tithe in and, and God's going to open the windows of heaven. And so, man, you just consider this a done deal. Like it says it. 
So it's going to happen. I believe it. It's just going to happen. That's what I love about so many of the testimonies that we hear and hear all the time. I love Jesse Montenegro's crazy testimonies he tells all the time. It's like he just believes, like, well, the Bible said this, so it's just going to happen. You know, him praying for sick people and stuff, and no one's trained him to go out and do that. He just reads it, and, like, the Bible says it, so it must be true. And you just assume that the Bible's true. And faith people are bold. People of faith are very, very bold. I can't think of, of, you know, a single faith person that I know that isn't a really bold person. And I'm, you know, sometimes we think bold equals the same thing as being loud, you know, and, and talking. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying every faith person I know is a really loud person. I'm just saying they're really bold people. If they believe that God's told them to do something, they go out and do it no matter what. If they read something in the Bible and, and you know, they know that it's true, they go out and do it no matter what. They're very bold people. And, and you know, I, I think of a time, uh, you know, Brother Hagen told a, a story of one time God spoke to him and said, you know, in about a year or so, there's going to be a recession coming. And at that time, it didn't look like, you know, everything's going great. You know, the economy, everything's good. But God told him, and he gave him specific steps to start taking like a year in advance. Start cutting, you know, some cost over here. Start cutting this over here. Even had to lay a few people off. And everybody else is looking at him and saying, what's wrong with you, man? You know, there's no need to, to do all this stuff. Everything's fine. But sure enough, like a year later... The economy tanked and all of a sudden businesses and places are closing down and and going berserk everywhere. But he was totally fine because he was bold enough to believe God's word over the economy, over everybody else in advance. When others said you're crazy, he was just doing what God told him to do. And because of it, he sailed through everything just fine when a whole lot of other people didn't. So faith people are very bold. And another thing I want to say about faith people is they're very presumptuous. There, and, and, you know, let me explain this. Faith people are presumptuous. Usually the word presumptuous, you know, in our, our day and age has kind of a negative connotation like, well, they're, they're, they're foolish, they're presumptuous, they just assume things. Well, listen, faith people presume that God is not lying and that he meant what he said. And I'll presume that all day long and, and I'll be very presumptuous all day long to presume that, yeah, the Bible says this. So it's true. Let, let God be true and every man a liar, as it says. Even if everybody else says, well, you can't do things this way anymore. It's 2016, man. That's old. That's old school. We're beyond that. Well, the Bible says this. I'm going to presume it's true and that you're a big fat liar. So shut it. You know what I mean? You've got you to get bold and you've got to be presumptuous. And so, yeah, when you're relying on the system of this world for everything, it's a bad idea to be presumptuous. You can't presume from one day to the next, you know, what the stock market's going to be or what this is going to happen or if it's this neighborhood safe or that. Yeah, if you're just solely relying on the world system, then presumption's a bad thing. But if you're relying on God's word, I will presume on it 10 times out of 10, 100 times out of 100, that God is true and everybody else is liars, no matter what else is going on. Amen. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, my parents step out and, and obey God, even when it looked crazy or didn't look like, man, that is nuts. What in the world are you doing? But later on, I'm like, hey, praise God. Glad you did that. 
Right on. Thank you. And, you know, is because you're what you get to this place with God, Hebrews 11, one man, where you're just confident that his word is true. You're confident that what you're praying for is going to happen. And you're not surprised. And, and, you know, we're always excited when prayers get answered, but we're not surprised. Like, I didn't think that was going to actually happen. This is great. No, man, we presumed that it was true. And I want to show you a great verse that everybody should know. Everybody needs to know Mark 11:23. So let's go over there. You can look at it up here on the, the walls up in front here also. But Mark 11:23, and I got to do this one in the King James, man. This is just the best. Mark 11:23, and of course there's, you know, in fact, Brother Hagen, of course, taught on this all the time. Somebody one time came up to him and said, man, I've heard you preach that verse so many times. You must have at least... 10, 15 sermons on that one verse. He said, no, I don't. I've got about 65. And like, <laughs> so, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many things. That, so, I'm, you know, we'll go over it. But, I mean, you can't even begin to scratch the surface of this verse, you know, in, in less than an hour. But Mark eleven twenty three says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And you know, there's, there's so much in that verse right there. But we're to speak to the mountains and cast them into the sea. Now a lot of times, you know, we think that it's great to climb the mountain and conquer it that way. That's fine, but I don't like to climb mountains. I like to cast them into the sea and just get rid of them altogether. You know what I mean? The only way to get rid of a mountain is for it to be completely cast into the sea. And so it's nice to climb the mountain and... and conquer that way but man i want to cast it into the sea i don't want to climb that thing and listen that's what mark eleven twenty three is telling us to do speak to the problems cast them into the sea and it's not coming back if it's in the sea it's not coming back and and notice right here it tells us that you got to believe first and then receive a lot of us we want to receive and then believe and if you're going to wait till you receive to believe, then it's not going to happen. You're not going to ever receive. You've got to believe before you ever receive the answer to your prayer. You know, there's a famous guy in the Bible that was like this. He said, Jesus, I'll believe it's really you if I can see the holes in your hands. I'm talking about Thomas. And then he's like, no, better yet. I'm not, it's not even good enough to see it. I need to feel the holes in your hands, Jesus. Then I'll believe that you really came back to life. And listen... You know, praise God for, for Thomas. You know, he's served as a great example for many years. And I'm sure he did a lot of other good things or Jesus wouldn't have let him be one of the twelve, right? So there was, Thomas probably did lots of great things. But we know him for being doubting Thomas because Jesus' word wasn't good enough for Thomas. Jesus had told them for a long time, listen, you know, and a lot of them didn't see it anyway, but I'm going to die three days later. I'm going to come back to life. I'm going to die. I'm going to come back three days later. And Thomas said, no, listen, I, I know you're even standing right here, but your word it's not good enough for me. I, I've got to see it and I've got to feel it. Don't be the person that says to Jesus, your word's not good enough. I've got to see it before I believe it. Because that is not faith. Faith is believing without seeing. It takes no faith at all for me to believe that, you know, you people exist right now because I can see you. I, it, but it takes a lot of faith for me to believe that God exists because I've never seen him. Not one time. Out of all these years, you know, you know, uh, being in church and praying and, and, and reading my Bible every single day, I've never seen God. 
And I'm fine with that. I'm fine if I never see him physically until I get to heaven. That's totally fine with me. But I am more convinced that he's real than I'm convinced that you people are real, even though I can see you. Because I, I, I believe so much in God. He's that real to me. He's done things for me that no person that I can see has done for me. He healed me of cancer, and nobody else was doing that. I mean, I'm glad for the doctors that were there, but God healed me. You know, God's done things for me that when people couldn't bring me peace, when people couldn't bring me joy, when people couldn't heal me and bring me salvation, no person that I've ever met can do those things, but God, who I can't see, has done all those things and more. I am totally convinced that God is real and that he loves me and that he likes me and he wants me to have an amazing, fabulous, fantastic life. He does because of his word and the things that he's already done for me. And so, yeah, I believe what he says, even if I can't see it. So don't be one of those people that says, yeah, Lord, hey, I have no problem believing, but first let me see it. First let me feel it and then I'll believe Jesus. No, don't be that type of guy. And so... A lot of Christians are that exact same way. You can't get too mad at Thomas when you're the same way. So don't be like that. Amen. You can say, God, your word's good enough for me. It says it. That's fine. That's all I need. I don't need confirmations and I don't need, you know, to see angels and everything. I'm fine, Lord. Your word says it. Good enough for me. Because guess what? His word has been proven to be true a thousand times over. And that's a whole other sermon, so I'm not even going to touch that right now. So the second thing tonight is this. Number two, when you're living in faith, you can confidently obey God through tough times. And that's another long point there. But let me say that again. Listen, when you're living in faith, you can confidently obey God even through tough times. And I think of this guy, maybe you've heard of him, his name's Noah, okay? So Noah, you know, you know the story, Genesis 6. In fact, turn over there to Genesis 6. God tells him that he's going to have to destroy the whole earth with a flood. You know this story. But the crazy thing is, is that it had never rained before. Think about that. God says, I'm going to come and flood the earth. And up until that point in time, yes, there was vegetation and everything because God brought water up out of the ground. You read it in in Genesis. God brought the water up out of the ground, but it had never rained before in history. And so God tells Moses, and you got to think, this this is a wild idea. If if you've never seen rain before and somebody comes up and tells you, listen, water is going to fall out of the sky. It's going to be crazy out of the sky. That's like me coming up and telling you, listen, water is going to shoot up from the ground every day from now on. And, and you know, I mean, you'd be like, what? That's nuts, man. Uh, but seriously, God says, it's gonna, I'm going to flood the whole earth, but the water's not going to come up out of the ground. It's going to come down out of the sky, and it's going to rain, and it's going to flood everything, uh, Noah. So get, get things together. I need you to build this boat. And he tells them all these crazy things to do. And, and again, sometimes we think, yeah, big whoop, he built a boat. Listen. He couldn't go down to Lowe's and get or Home Depot and get, you know, and buy some nails, buy some screws, buy some lumber. Buy. Listen, he had, to, he had to cut down trees. He had to make his own boards. He had to make his own wooden pegs. He had to make his own hammer. He had to make his own saw. He had to do all this stuff. This was not an easy task. This wasn't easy at all. But he but still, sometimes God calls you to do something. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Listen, sometimes they think, well, I, you know, God's telling me to do this, but that's going to be really hard. I just don't know if I want to do that. Listen, if, if it's something really easy that you can do in your own strength, it's probably not from God. Because God's not going to call you to do something you can do on your own. That's not going to take any faith at all, man. 
God's going to call you to something that is beyond you. If it's within your own strength, it takes no faith at all. If God, you know, I, you guys would probably think I was dumb if I said, guys, I'm releasing my faith. Go go down to Del Taco tonight and get me a bean burrito. Hallelujah. Who's with me? Who can? You're like, man, that doesn't take any faith. I can do that on my own. And I've got to buy one, get one free card, so I'm getting two burritos. <laughs> Seriously. You know what I mean? That takes no faith at all. But, you know, if, if I tell you some crazy thing that God's told me to do, God's told me to go build my own. Then you're like, wow, that's going to take some faith. You can't do that on your own. And that's how we know when something is of God. If he's calling you to something that is beyond your abilities, then it's probably from God. And that's what happened here. God comes out and tells Noah to do the craziest thing ever. Build a giant boat because water's going to fall from the sky and flood the whole earth. And people are like, man, this guy is nuts. I think water's going to fall from the sky? This is crazy, man. This is nuts. You know, they probably thought he was a conspiracy theorist or, you know, whatever. He's, in, he's been on the Internet too much. So anyway, Genesis 6.22, Genesis 6.22, God t- tells Noah to just do the craziest thing that anyone's ever heard of, to build a giant boat and, and you know, get all these animals in it. And it, it is just absolutely crazy. It, it took him, a lot of people say 120 years, but it didn't take him long. It took him probably 70 or 80 years to build the ark. And, uh, and so here he is, Genesis chapter 6, verse 22. Out of all these crazy things that God says, Genesis 6, 22 is an amazing verse to me because it says this. So Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Noah did not cut one corner. Noah did not cheat on one thing. He did everything exactly as God told him to. He got the right type of wood. He got the right type of everything and did exactly what God told him to, even though it was really, really hard and nobody liked him. Nobody was on his side except for his sons. His sons were crazy. One was named Ham. Who names their kid Ham? I mean, seriously. I mean, I've heard weird names, but Ham, you know, hey, Ham, come here. Can you get, go get bacon? What? So he's got Ham. One of his sons is named Sham and Japheth. I mean, so it's him and his three redneck boys, and they're out there building a boat because water's going to fall from the sky. Oh, and, you know, and so and it's just, it's getting crazy. It's getting nuts. But let me show you Genesis 6, verse 5. Look back at verse 5. Why is it? That, that they had to build this big boat for all this stuff? Well, Genesis 6, 5 tells us, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. The earth was in bad shape, man. I mean, people were killing each other, people were stealing, just robbing, just all kinds of craziness. And, and so God was like, listen, it's bad. I have got to handle this right now. This can't go on any longer. Noah, and then, you know, you, you read that Noah was the only righteous man on earth. Out of everybody, there was only one righteous person. So God was like, listen, get you and your three crazy sons and, and we're gonna go build a boat, man. You gotta do this. And so he did everything exactly as God told him to. That's obedience. Because I know a lot of people, God told them to do something a lot smaller than that. And they're like, well, okay, I'll do that. But can I do it my way? Can I do it over here? It'd be a lot easier if I did it this way. It'd be a lot easier if I could just kind of, you know, maybe do this over here or or call this person. But that's not what God told you to do. Do everything exactly how God told you to. And we know that it paid off for Noah, didn't it? 
He didn't die. He got to live. And, and, and you know the rest of the story, man, that, that God spared his life. And so if you're living by faith, then it doesn't matter what circumstances look like. You're just simply going to go off of what God's told you and what the word of God says. You're going to do exactly what God says. And if Noah was, was living his life based on his own emotions, the ark never would have gotten built. I'll bet you there was days, you know, people were out there trash talking Noah and, and the boys that are out there, you know, pounding wooden pegs together. They're sawing lumber and all this stuff. There's probably people out there. Hey, Noah, where's it at, buddy? I don't, I don't see anything at all. You're nuts. You know, there's probably teenagers out there in skinny jeans tagging the side of the ark with spray paint. You know what I mean? He probably went through all kinds of stuff. But if he was an emotional man, if he was going off of what he felt like from day to day, it never would have happened. So what that tells me for our lives is this. Don't live your life based on whatever mood you're in that day. Because your emotions, they change every day. Some people more than others. But your emotions, if you're living your life, well, today I don't feel like praying. So I just, I can't, I'm not feeling it today. I, I'm not going to do it. I just, you know, I'm not getting, I'm not getting that vibe. You know what I mean? Or, you know, I, I don't really want to read my Bible today. Or, you know, I know it says to love your neighbor. Man, he's a jerk. I'm not, not today. Why? You know, you can't live your life like that. You'll be a train wreck. And Noah, thank God, wasn't like that. Because I guarantee you, he had opportunities to quit. Think about it. You've been working on the same project for decades and decades, and no water's falling from the sky. Oh, it's coming, guys. It's coming. Give it time. It's coming. It's coming. And, you know, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, and nothing's changing. But he still did it anyway. And it's kind of the same way people look at us today. Jesus is coming. He's coming out of the sky. And they're saying, you've been saying that for years. Where's he at? He's coming. I'm telling you, there's a flood coming. Just get ready because when he comes, I'm out of here. It's going to happen. I don't know when. Noah didn't know when, but he knew it was going to happen. And guess what? One day, water came out of the sky, came out of the ground too, actually. It came out of both places. And it flood, and it says, it has power, like, a, what is a hundred feet above the highest peak on earth. And so we know Mount Everest is 29,029 feet high. So you're looking at water that was dang near 30,000 feet tall. I mean, that's a flood. And what do you think Noah was doing then? He's probably on the ark like, Told you. I, mean, I, just, I wish you would have listened, you know. And it's the same thing, man. We're telling people. They're saying, you're crazy. It's not happening. I'm saying, listen, this church is an ark. Get your butt in here now because there's a flood coming. Get ready. It's coming. I don't know when, but it is going to happen. And so we've got to live our lives like that. Second Corinthians 5, 7. I'm going to kind of speed things up a little bit if I haven't already. Second Corinthians 5, 7. Beautiful verse, one that you should also know, Second Corinthians 5, 7, says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Say it with me. We walk by faith and not by sight. Live your life based off of what the Bible says, not what you see. Not what you see. And I thank God that Noah didn't live his life by sight. He lived his life by faith, and that's how we've got to be, man. Because if you're just going to live your life off of what you see, it's not going to turn out good. Because I see bad things all around me every day. But I'm not going by that. I'm going by what God's Word says. It says that I'm an overcomer. It says that I'm more than a conqueror. It says I can do all things. And so that's what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to live off of what God's Word says. 
And the third thing tonight is this. Is when you're living in faith, you can praise God even before you see the answer. That's a big one right there. If you're living in faith, you can praise God even before you see the answer. Have you ever noticed that these crazy Pentecostals around here at High Desert, they go around saying stuff like, thank you, Jesus. You know, thank you, Jesus. This is going to happen. And, you know, to the ignorant person, they would come in and say, why are you thanking him? It hasn't happened yet. What's wrong with you? You know, you know what I mean? That, that's just kind of weird if I come up to Henry there and say, thank you for dinner next Tuesday night. And you're like, well, I, I, what do you mean? I, I haven't even talked to you. I, I haven't even. But no, I'm just, you know, hey, listen, I know what's going to happen. And so we are so confident that God's word is true that we can thank him. We can praise him in advance before we ever even see the answer. That's a pretty big deal right there. Think about it this way. What if uh, like a billionaire came up to you? We'll say Mark Cuban. You know, you guys know who he is. He's, he's, he's a billionaire. What if he came up and said, listen, listen to this, man. I like you. I like you a lot. I'm going to cut you a check for a million dollars. It's coming your way. You know what I would do? I'd jump up and I'd start doing the Pentecostal shuffle. Man. I'd be like, woo, I'm a millionaire. Yeah. I'd be going nuts. I would consider myself a millionaire, and you're saying, well, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you haven't seen that check yet, have you? You, you? you haven't felt it. You haven't cashed it. It's not in the bank. What's wrong with you? I'm saying, listen, I know that he's got the goods to back up what he said. I'm a millionaire, so stand back. And it's the same way with God's word. If God's word said it, I consider it a done deal, man. That's as good as gold to me because God doesn't write checks he can't cash. If God's word promised it, I'm going to sign that sucker and take it to the bank, man. Because it's as good as done. God's word is that true. And so, yeah, if I read a a promise out of the Bible that says, man, the peace of God surpasses all understanding is yours. I'm going to get up and say, hallelujah. That's good stuff. It's mine. I have peace because God's word said I can. This is good news because I consider every promise of God a done deal. It's as good as done. That's a a check that's signed by God Almighty and he doesn't write checks that he can't cash. If he promised it, he can do it. He doesn't make promises he can't keep. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. All right. And so... If the Bible says you're healed, consider it a done deal. If the Bible says that you can have the peace of God even when the storms are raging, that's a done deal. Say, man, thank you, Jesus. If it says you can have joy, if it says you can have salvation, if it says you can have provision, if it says your kids can serve God, all these things, man, you can just consider it a done deal and say, thank you, Jesus. I don't see it yet. I mean, I don't see that check just yet, but I I know it's coming. I I know it's coming. I, I don't feel the healing yet, but I know that it's coming. Jesus, thank you, Lord. It's a done deal. You promised it. I'm just going to sit back and relax and enjoy the ride. That's what Jesus wants for us. And how do we have this confidence? Well, first John chapter five, turn over there real quick. First John five, 14 and 15. And if, if, again, if this verse don't light your wood, then your fire, whatever, whatever my dad said. Yeah, you're all wet, whatever. So light your fire, your wood's all wet. First John five, 14 and 15. Now, this is another good one, man. You need to know this one. First John 5, 14 and 15 in the New King James Version. It says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. Who's our confidence in? It's in him. It's not in me. I'm not, you know, I'm not that confident in myself. I'm confident in him. It says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
Well, that's good news right there. First of all, that God hears you if you're asking for things in line with his will. And, of course, you can easily know what God's will is because you can read the Bible and find out, oh, okay, God wants me healed. God wants me provided for. God wants me blessed. All right, but look at verse 15. It says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Hallelujah. Says that if we know that he hears us and we know we're asking in line with his will, we know that we can have the things that we've asked for. That that's good news right there, man. That's enough to get you excited to know that God hears me and God's going to send it to me because it's in line with his will. Now, if you're asking for things not in line with the Bible, you know that's a whole other story. But you know what's in line with the Bible. You should know that. And so, if you're asking for things that are according to God's will, man. It is going to happen if you won't give up. It may not happen within five minutes, ten minutes, one day, two days, a week, a month. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen because God is not a liar. God's not a liar. And, and Noah didn't give up on it. And so we can thank God. What I'm getting at right here is this, is that we can thank God even before we see the answer. Now I'm going to show you one last incredible story. Acts chapter 16. Now, I love the book of Acts because it's full of really great stories. And again, especially Pentecostal people love the book of Acts because we believe like that this stuff can still happen. Now, some people think that these are cute stories, but it can't happen anymore. I believe this stuff can still happen. So on Friday night in our young adults group, yes, I still go to the young adults group. I may not belong, but I go. So, <laughs> now, anyway, I, do leave, I leave the Bible study for them. I leave the Bible study for them. And so... We were talking about, I wanted to show these guys some different stories of Paul. And, man, Paul had some insane things happen in the book of Acts. You know, bitten by snakes, stoned and killed and brought back to life. You know, remember, sometimes people, you know, I've had people say, I had, well, one lady in particular told me she liked our church, but she thought we went too long. And I'm like, Man, we get out at like, you know, noon on Sundays. That's not that long. Listen, you would have hated Paul because one time he preached so long that this teenage boy was sitting in the windowsill. His name was Eutychus. And he fell down two stories because he fell asleep because Paul was preaching so long and he died. He died. And so Paul, he stops his sermon, you know, probably lays his scroll down or whatever, climbs down the stairs. Boom, brings him back to life, brings him back upstairs. You know what he did after that? He continued preaching and he preached for the rest of the night. And it says he preached until the next morning. Paul preached like an eight or ten hour sermon and people were still into it. And Eutychus, I mean, you know, I'm sure after he came back to life, he was back into it, too. That probably that probably be enough to get your attention. Like, OK, I will stay awake no matter what. I'm not going to fall asleep. Again. I don't know if he sat in the window still, but he he stayed awake. They said his name was Eutychus because Eutychus, too, if you would get, you know, fallen out of a window. And, uh, anyway. Little preacher comedy. All right. Acts chapter 16. Stick with me. Acts 16. I'm getting somewhere. Acts 16, verse 23. So Paul and Silas here. I mean, you guys know this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So Paul and Silas, they cast the devil out of this girl, and she can no longer tell people's fortunes. And, and so there was some guy. She was a slave girl, and she was possessed of the devil, so she could tell fortunes and stuff like this. And so these guys were making a lot of money off of her. So Paul's, you know... One day, Paul finally gets fed up, and Paul was very bold. He yells, in the name of Jesus, come out, and boom, the devil comes out. And so they get mad, and, you know, they start this big to-do. And Paul and Silas, they're, they're stripped and beaten and thrown in prison. Acts 16, verse 23, it says, They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison, 
the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. And so here they are. They're beat. And listen, I'm not talking about a little, don't do that again, beating. I'm talking about they beat the crud out of these guys with rods, like boom, 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 just beating them to a bloody pulp. This was not a slap on the wrist beating. They beat them severely. And so verse 24 So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. And so here they are. They're not just in jail. They're in the inner dungeon. And I mean, I don't know exactly all that that entails, but it sounds really bad and really creepy. And so here they are. They're in the inner dungeon. Their heads are probably locked up, their arms and their feet. And their their backs are severely beaten. I'm sure they've got blood and just all kinds of bad stuff going on. But look what happens. It says, verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Hallelujah. They were in there. They weren't feeling sorry for themselves. They weren't saying, God, this isn't fair. We were out there preaching. I just cast the devil out of a girl. And I, thanks a lot. Where were you? Where were you, God, when all this happened? You know, and they weren't doing any of that. They weren't crying. They weren't calling for mama. Somebody get mama on the phone. No, they were down there. They were, they, they were praying and they were singing hymns to God. And how do I, and they weren't just whimpering, you know, little things out. You know, Lord, I lift your name on high. <laughs> no. They were belting it out. How do I know this? Because they were in the inner dungeon. And I do know that consisted of thick concrete block walls. They were in the inner dungeon. And it says this, that um, all the other prisoners were listening. They couldn't have heard these guys if they were just barely, you know, talking it out or whispering. They had to be belting it out and just, you know, singing loud. And everybody heard it. And those other guys are probably thinking... What are those fools doing down there? Did you see those those two guys they brought in that were all bloodied and beaten up? They're down there singing. I mean, they're going to get beat even worse if they don't shut up. What's going on here? But listen, Paul and Silas, they didn't need to wait to praise God when things got good. They were like, we're going to do it right now. And sometimes the best time to praise God is right there in the midnight hour when you need a miracle now or you are going to die. When you need a miracle now or it is all going to crumble, that's what Paul and Silas decided to do. And they said, God, if there's ever a time we need you, it's right now. We're going to sing. And they put on a worship service right there, just boom, belting it out. Everybody's listening. And so they didn't have to wait for perfect conditions. And I got to tell you that you don't have to wait for perfect conditions because you have a perfect God. You can say right now, it looks really bad, but God, you're perfect. God, your word said this. I'm going to praise right now, even though I can't see it. And so look at verse 26. It says, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. Boom. Freedom. Suddenly. And sometimes it may seem like it's the midnight hour. But listen, sometimes God can just come in and boom. Suddenly shake everything up. Their whole situation was shaken to the foundations and those chains fell off, which is also a miracle of God. Because just because there's an earthquake doesn't mean that handcuffs are uncuffed and chains fall off. I mean, you know, things may fall down, but if you're chained to a pole, you're probably still chained to a pole. And you know what I mean? And so God does the earthquake, 
And then he unlocks the chains and they are free to go. And, yeah, I mean, you know that they went in and they, they, the jailer was getting ready to kill himself because they thought that his, his guards, his bosses were going to kill him. But they say, no, listen, they witnessed to him. He gets saved. His whole family gets saved. It all turns out really, really good. But it wouldn't have if Paul and Silas said, God, we'll praise you someday if you get us out of this. If you'll just do this one favor for me, I swear I'll serve. I can't tell you how many times somebody said that to me. Man, I told God, if you just get me out of this one situation, man, I'll serve you the rest of my life, man. Like, what are you talking about? Don't say that to God. Say, man, I'm going to praise you right now. I'm going to serve you no matter what. I'm going to serve you no matter what. And so that's what Paul and Silas, they, they saw no way out. That's a pretty bad situation, but they still did it anyway. They still praised God. They still sang. They still thanked Him in advance. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you that we're free. Thank you that our chains are broken. Thank you that we're out of this situation. And everybody else could have said, no, no, you're a nut. You're not out of this situation, man. You're bleeding to death and you're locked up in the inner dungeon. What are you talking about? That I am fine if every person in this world thinks that I'm a nut. If God says, that, that guy right there, he's got faith, I'm going to use him. I just want to be used by God. And that's what Paul and Silas wanted. And so I'm encouraging you tonight with this, that you can be confident. Be bold. Be presumptuous. Assume that God is going to come through. Assume that God is on your side and that you can walk through life victorious. Confident with your head held high, saying, I don't care what comes against me. God's on my side. I win every single time. I never, ever lose. I always win because God's on my side. I'm confident. I'm successful. And good things are coming my way. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's go ahead and stand up tonight.